When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Listen. You guys know what this is all about, right? Right? What's it all about? Spurgy? Hard work and having fun. that. This is about winning. That was that was actually Bill Guerin in the Colorado Avalanche room last night before overtime. He had to come down there and just say, "Listen, guys, let's let's remind you what this is all about here, Colorado Avalanche." Yep. Tim Conley, take note. Derek Falvey, take note. <laughs> Crazy. What's this all about? Uh, by the way, uh, if, if you guys missed the Tim Conley, you know the Timberwolves' new president of basketball operations, uh, he joined us last week. And uh, you can go enjoy that. I got a follow-up note from the Timberwolves saying that he had thought more about his 90s comedies. And Cable Guy is one that we should put on our list. I've never seen Cable Guy somehow. Jim Carrey movie from the the 90s. It's very weird. It's a strange movie. Uh, Yeah, that might speak a lot about Tim Conley. That's very interesting. (laughs) Kind of a weird guy. It's a weird. It's Jim Carrey at Jim Carrey's weirdest, I would say. Okay. That Which sounds, is saying something, because yeah, he's had some, some weird I mean, He's fantastic. He's yeah, fantastic. I, I love how Jim Carrey has basically decided that, like, the actor that I was 20 years ago is yep. not who I am. I am an existential being who is here to plug into the universe. Man on the Moon is one of my favorite films. I don't, think I've seen, I don't think I've seen oh, that. Oh, you've one. never seen him? I mean, oh, I like, I've watched the original Kaufman, Jerry Lawler stuff going back years. Oh, you've got to watch it, man. He like he, That's the movie that made him crazy. He and, was like in that character and for he's him. two months or something. But he really did it. L- no. Like it's not like he thought he was he was Kaufman. It's incredible. Good. You'd love it. You got to see it. Make yeah. time soon. I just I just like that the Timberwolves Pobo is uh, spending multiple days thinking about his '90s movies and interacting with us. You know why? Because he's sick channels. of answering questions about <laughs> Are you going to trade Russell? He likes questions that have nothing to do with basketball. Uh, probably. Anyhow. Last night, you saw, it's amazing, like, you get into the middle of June here, and it's such a foreign concept for our winter sports teams to still be playing hockey or basketball at this point, but other teams are every single year, and so, Judd, have you put together a list here? Is this an official list of things the Minnesota Wild can learn from other teams that have gone deep in the playoffs? And by the way, Declan's on vacation, so we have another hockey-loving producer here, A.J. Fredrickson with the hockey hair and the hockey playoff beard going. Love the hair, by the way, again. And so, A.J., you feel free to jump in with hockey takes because I know you have them. Absolutely. But uh, what can the Wild, if they're sitting there with their Judd Zolgad notebook and pen and pad watching these games, what can they be learning right now? So, 
Actually, I think Dex and I did this exercise with the four teams that were in the conference finals uh, a week and a half ago. Well, that's, so a, we are, that's a lifetime ago. Exactly right. So now we're down to the final two teams. Um, two-time defending champion Tampa Bay Lightning and the Avs, who I think we all can safely say are the most skilled, talented team in the entire league for at least yeah. 2021-22. So it's interesting because the Wild, just to be clear at the outset, because I feel like people skew towards Judd's being negative again, right? So I, I just want to, I don't want to mince words. I want to be very clear about the setup here. The Wild had a very nice year. The Wild has some talented players. I appreciate the fact that the GM in really the last window in about three years now, uh, upcoming, had an opportunity to go for it at the deadline and did. So like they tried. I, I don't think you can mm-hmm. complain about that. It fell woefully short, but they definitely, they didn't, uh, pull a Falvey and sit there and be like, well, we got Sam Dyson. What more could you want? I mean, Romo. So this team gave it a shot. It fell short. But I think now in looking at where the Wild's going to be up against the cap for three years, which they are, and in looking at what they have and don't have, and then you examine the Lightning and Avs right now. And I'm going to start here. And this is a problem that Bill Guerin bristled. In fact, uh, when we talked to bill before the season started on jhs and declan and i both broached this and he bristled which is great because i love the fact that that he basically gives you crap right back but let's start with center um i equate now you could argue goaltenders too but i'm gonna say i equate centers in the national hockey league today with starting pitching in baseball Everyone has them, but who has the best ones? Who has the, and and they fill certain roles. But here's where the Wild, I think, learned. Hartman and Goudreau, for the most part, centered the top two lines. And in the regular season, they did a very good job. Hartman had a career year. There's no question about it. But gentlemen, when we drop the puck in the springtime, everything changes. And literally to me, this is, you didn't have an ace to send out. Erickson Eck is very good at his role, but his role is very defined. Like that's his role. Third line sort of checking guy uh, certainly gives you intangibles, but you can't be like, just go, you know what? Take care of the first line too. He can't do that. And so number one is if you look at the centers, the top line guys who are left, and you look at what the wild put out there against the blues. If you don't upgrade there and and the most important thing here too, is just like pitching it's ordinarily internally, Marco Rossi has to develop here. Like it's imperative. He's good. Um, But I think that we learned a very valuable lesson about how long can I get by with just guys as my top two players at that position? And really, the shelf life is until the playoffs. Start. Yeah, like do you have do you have a Garrett Cole or do you have a Brad Radke? Because yeah, you can, I love the baseball comparison here. You can win a lot of games as the Twins have done multiple times in the last twenty years with some pretty good starting pitchers. You got Scott Baker and you got Francisco Liriano or a Jose Barrios or something. But when you start to cut bait on. Half the league doesn't make the playoffs. Okay, now you're facing the 16, the, you know, the 15, 16 best teams in the league, and then you get to the next round, and now it's down to the eight best teams in the league, and then four. What do those starting pitchers look like? What do those starting centers look like? Where does yours rank? That's another exercise, I guess. If you were to rank all of the centers among the last four teams left going back to the to the conference finals, 
literally rank all right three centers from each team from each three lines where would the wild centers rank i'm not asking you to do that right now but certainly not number one two or three or four right that's kind of the point that you're that you're making here yeah thoughts yeah i mean you mentioned marco rossi i mean the amount of video i've watched of him you say he has to develop and become that i Mm -hmm. think he will he's got all the tools he still makes the mistakes of a 20 something year old guy um i think he actually might have just turned 20 this summer but for taking as much off with his health as was needed to come back and immediately just step back in and play at the level that he was at i think it shows great stuff for what he'll bring to the wild in the coming years um and when it comes to the comparison like you were saying of baseball to the starting pitching they starting pitchers they start the action they are the chess players when it comes to baseball it's okay slider uh, change up in the dirt low and away fastball up and in whatever same thing with centers they start the play the the face-off is one of the most crucial things that i think just gets overlooked and that was a conversation that i had uh with many people throughout the season for the wild there was not a Ryan O'Reilly who you can send him out there and you know 60% of the time he's coming away with the with the face-off win. How many times did you see the Wild have a power play that immediately, you could just take 40 seconds off because they're going to lose the face-off, the opposition's going to dump it down to the other end of the ice, and then they take 30 more seconds to get through neutral ice, reset up the zone, and who knows if they even do. All of a sudden, half the power play is gone and you haven't even set anything up offensively. You're not controlling anything. Mm-hmm. You're already you're handicapping yourself before you even get an advantage. It's it was one of the most frustrating things because I think, like you said, Eck has the job. He is shut down, and he was fantastic at that. If he stays a little more consistent throughout, throughout the year, he's probably a Selkie finalist. But he yeah, been, he's a Selkie type of guy. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but you look at Patrice Bergeron, who can do that, but also is going to go out there and win you the faceoffs that you need, even if. You know, I think a lot of people towards the end of his stint here, Miko Koivu was criticized for kind of what he brought to the team, but he was getting sent out there to win the faceoff and then get his butt off the ice so somebody else can go out there and be <laughs> offensive. I have no problem as long as you have somebody who can go out there and win that draw, and then they take three seconds to skate off the ice real quick. Get somebody who can win a faceoff. I'll bet you guys uh, didn't know that we just have a stash of producers that can just sling just hockey, no hockey. Cakes. Just no hockey. Like you think Dec- Declan, AJ, you know, we've got like five other producers AJ too that brings can just it. sling hockey takes. It's AJ brings it and and glorious. where he and where he is exactly right is is this. The problem is faceoffs get dismissed now entirely. Oh, faceoffs aren't nearly as important. Yeah, it's quick possession, but but where he is where he just hit a home run with that take is it depends where the face-off is. If it's a face-off to start a power play, you lose that face-off. It gets cleared. The puck gets cleared, That's right? 20 seconds off your exactly. two minutes. Yeah, now, exactly. now, you know, a face-off um, in neutral? Yeah, okay. Too bad. But it all depends on where that face-off is. So that is point one. Centers is incredibly important. Talking point two, what can the Wild learn from what they're watching right now with the Avs and Lightning? It's very simple. Goaltending. Um, the only reason why people think, and they're not wrong, I think the pri- the primary reason why some people are picking the Lightning to beat the Avs is because Tampa Bay, Vasilevsky in goal is unbelievable. Kemper? He's shaky. Um, if, if Jesper Wallstedt, who was a first-round pick, I think it was uh, 20th overall by the Wild last year from Sweden, 
He was he played in Sweden this past winter. He's going to come here and I believe play or start uh, 2022-23 uh, in the American Hockey League. But this is the type of guy who I think has a real chance to be your goaltender and be your playoff guy. Mm-hmm. And and look, I loved the shot that was taken by Garen on Flurry. It was a good shot. Looked like he he had playoff experience, Stanley Cup experience. He clearly was not as good at, as we all hoped or thought that he might be in the playoffs against the Blues. That being said, I think Wallstedt might be your guy. And we can argue about goaltending and it's fluky, goals are fluky, blah, blah, blah. But this always goes back to the Dubnik conversation of, in the playoffs, does he ever win you a game? Not like multiple games, but, you know, in a series, can he make stops that win you two games? And if the answer is no, you're nearly in trouble. Um, the Rangers took the lightning so far into their series because Shesterkin and goal was phenomenal. Now, he's their guy. They developed him. Jesper Wallstedt gives the Wild, I think, that chance. But we, again, are seeing, really, I think, why, unless your team is like the Avs can, and can just score at will at times, yeah. why goaltending? Goaltending in the playoffs becomes ultimately incredibly important. You can't dismiss it. Let me ask you this, because, you know, getting past the Blues would have, would have been nice, but you would have faced the Avalanche in the second round. and Blues were quickly disposed of by the Avalanche. What would the commentary around the Wild be if they would have gotten past the Blues, but then they got smoked by the Avalanche in four or five games? What would we be saying about this team? Would we feel better because, hey, they won a playoff series, or would we still be sitting here, well, once again, this team... Fails in the first two rounds of the playoffs. They can't get to a conference, you know, finals for the last 20 years. I think we would have been saying, because the, the abs are so good. I think there wouldn't have been, I don't think there would have been a big disappointment. I feel like the, the fact that the Wild was so good and then flamed out fairly uh, quickly. And look, those that last game is still, I think, a massive disappointment. Like, that was a terrible game. Uh, I think if you go into the second round and beat the Avs, that there is more hope. That being said, you guys, I didn't really ultimately sense the angst about the loss to the Blues that I thought I would. Like, there were people upset, but it was pretty quick. I thought that there would be, coming off the season that this team was, and the revamped roster, the trade deadline moves, I thought that there would be more angst. Uh, But I think if you had gotten to the second round and lost, to the Avs, dare I say it, I think it almost would have been hopeful. Like, hey, that's a nice step. The reason why I think that uh, it flared out as quickly as it was is in terms of Minnesota sports GMs, I think in the his somewhat short tenure, I might trust Bill Guerin more than any other one that I've seen in quite a while because he's mm-hmm. very upfront about what he wants to do. He's truthful. He doesn't beat around the bush, and he's willing to when he recognizes because he's so – closely removed from the game he's almost like a player still he's he recognizes hey we really have a chance here we're gonna go chips all in and he was able to make moves at the trade deadline that didn't you know crutch the wild for this upcoming draft they still have picks in each of the first five or six rounds so it's not like he mortgaged the future on getting uh that future hall of fame goaltender also his biggest like ballsiest move getting rid of the two veteran stalwarts that signed 13-year contracts it worked you know, he comes in and he just says, guys, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to buy these guys out. We're going to take a, a salary cap penalty, basically, 
and it worked. They got better immediately after those guys. Interesting. Were gone. That's a great point too, because so uh, thank you, thank you. Yes, to hockey back, whispers on well, vacation you, and hiatus. You too, but I would say time, the but. producer. Um, oh. So so <laughs> flashback to 2019. If the Twins go out and get like a top line starter, and so it's not Dominic in Game Two, it's it's top line guy Game One against the Yankees, Barrios Game Two, they still lose. AJ might be right. We might have perceived that differently, as if well, they took a shot. Yes, like like I think like I think what drives us crazy to the point is. Randy Dobnik started game two. Yes, there's an understanding. So, this is I, I'm glad you brought this up. This Another great point. Great point. Great AJ, being hair. made. Declan is Declan great might be being made all around. This is as this is as close to the edge as Dex has been. <laughs> like he doesn't even know it. He's on a beach getting drunk and he might be at the edge. Like I think there's this thought I that, well, if they make the trade, you know, the, the twins I'm talking about, if they make the trade that you're talking about, go get let's say it's Frankie Montas this year and Frankie Montas gives up five runs in his only playoff game, then you guys are just going to rip the Twins for making a failed trade. No, that's not true at all. There's an understanding that when you make a big move in hockey, you go get Marc-Andre Fleury or you go get a pitcher and you give up future assets. There's an understanding, or there should be, that it might not work. When the Cubs go trade for Araldis Chapman as the final piece to their pitching staff, going into you know their 108th year without a, without a, a World Series championship, there's a chance it might not work. In fact, Araldis Chapman got lit up, if I remember, a couple times in those in those playoffs. But, like, mm-hmm. you have to take that chance if there's mm-hmm. a 20% chance that you can push yes. forward. So the fact that Billy Guerin is willing to make big moves, yes, maybe that don't work, puts him in a, a different category as a GM. He's not just this scared, nervous guy that's, oh, my God, what if we, uh, you know? Because I think what it comes down to, and you can ask, I would say 80% of sports fans, probably more, would agree with this. All they want to do, like, if you're successful enough, as long as management puts forward the effort to, like, say, we are trying. We know you want a championship. We know you want success, and we're trying to give it to you. That's that's If, if they can do that because, and that's what we talked about kind of yesterday with what I feel about the Twins right now, they got the moves on the, the batting side, and they got the fielding as well. It's the pitching that's just lacking, but Bill Guerin going out and getting that guy because when – a team can make moves at the trade deadline because there's only one champion at the end of the season. People have to make moves, but the runners up, whoever loses in the Stanley Cup final or the NBA finals or the World Series, their their fan base obviously is going to be upset, but they're not going to be resentful of the ownership. It, it's it yeah, shouldn't the- it shouldn't be a business mindset. Obviously, I, I understand that's why they're in it. And me, just a common guy, I don't understand all the figures. Don't social short. <laughs> Thank you, uh-huh. but don't social just just. Put forward the effort of we want to win yeah. a championship as much as you want them to win a championship. And and this is also, I think it goes beyond fans too. I think this is what is fair to players. Like the players, um, hell, the twins, right? Correa is saying we need a little bit more here. And because and, he sees opportunity. I think that's what, that's what Garen at least did. Now, it didn't work, but he gave it that shot. And so I think that there is a more forgiving feeling of, well, at least you tried. Mm-hmm. Where where I think what drove us crazy, especially in 2019 for sure, is the Twins basically went and got two guys off a of scrap heap and were like, well, yeah. good enough, right? And we're one, all like, no. Yeah. One of them wound up not pitching at all, right? Or and was a, a terrible games human being. Or something. Yeah. Beat his cat up or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, 
we thought that he loved the cat and he beat the cat yeah. up or something. Yeah, I think I think Poor sometimes numbers. front offices overestimate. Well, if we trade this young player, well, a couple things here. There's a thought that if you trade a young player or a prospect and that prospect blows up and becomes amazing somewhere else, that you've lost the trade. That's not necessarily true. I'll go back to that Cubs example. Look at some of the young players the Cubs traded away like six years ago. They're all awesome. You, you know, yeah. And they're well, all. <laughs> Elo Jimenez went to the White Sox for Jose Quintana. Yeah. Could definitely lost that trade, but right now Eloy is hurt about as much as Byron Buxton. Um, but for the Aurelis Chapman trade, you know who they sent to the Yankees? Glaber Torres. Mm-hmm. He was he looked like he was gonna be the next big thing. It's kind of yep. evened out here. But even if he becomes a superstar, they won the World Series. I'm fine Correct. with him. He could be a Yankees legend. I don't care. You got the World Series, you ended the curse. Who cares? All's forgiven. You made the move yep. to do what you wanted to do. And there's a balance. You don't want to just trade all of your top young players, mm-hmm. obviously. But, um, you know, the the Twins just have almost at every single turn have. And now, th- this year, credit to them for getting Sonny Gray. Credit to them for getting and signing Carlos Correa. But, you know, I know I know this is a wild conversation. It's kind of morphed into a Twins conversation. But just to tie it all together, AJ used the word resentful. Fans kind of resent the Twins for never really giving teams that final push at the trade deadline. Right. It's hard to resent the wild. You can be annoyed at the wild and frustrated. My God, why can't they just get into the third round of the playoffs or a Stanley Cup finals? But it's usually not for lack of trying something big, especially under the the Bill Guerin watch here the last couple of years. And the last thing, and this is this is very tough because it can be obtained, but it's also a balancing act. Watch Colorado and especially Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is back-to-back defending champs. I believe they have won 11 consecutive playoff series. They are as mentally tough. Last night, they're on the road in a building that's going crazy, down by two. All hope is lost, right? They tied this. And now they lost the game, but I don't care. They are so tough, and they know how to win. Like you talk about culture, that culture is scary good. Like, they have guys, everyone on that team knows their role. And look, they've got some great talent, too. So I'm not saying that, that they don't have talent. They definitely do. But everyone on that team, from the from um, Stamkos to the sick boy, knows their exact job. And look, the hockey playoffs, and I have said this from day one, are great to watch. They're great fun. In my opinion, the best playoffs in sports. But if you're a player, I think they're awful. I think they're absolutely brutal. Guys are blocking shots. Guys are coming back with broken bones to try and play. Guys are doing things that seem to me in 2022 to be stupid. But you know what? They're doing it. Yeah. But it's worse than, at least in football, you play the game and then it's just done. In hockey, it's like, okay, game two. Now game three. And so that's the thing. Bill Guerin literally needs more Bill Guerins. And <laughs> and it's a gang of just six, but I mean Bill Garen, roving Bill Garens. Bill Garen bounced from team to team because he knew how to win, and teams wanted what he brought, and that is intangibles that are so hard to find. Um, I don't know how to put this, but basically my synopsis of how the playoffs have to be approached is this: two months where nothing else matters. Mm. No, it's um. Yeah, I think you summed it up. It's it's great to watch as a fan, but it's very torturous as a player over the two months. 
ridiculous. So, and you know, if you're if you're not getting enough of a sweat as it is on some of these games, the best way to get a sweat is through our friends at Underdog Fantasy and the Underdog Fantasy app, which lets you either draft fantasy teams for the night or for seasons in just minutes, or you can play pick'em games, which consist of over unders. And the Pick'em games allow you to win up to 20 times your money in one night. So this it's just a, a blast to play games on Underdog Fantasy. Uh, it's very easy. Judd has figured out how to use it. Uh, you can sign up with the promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R. You can help us out by putting in that promo code. But you can help yourself out because Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash. So check them out, Underdog Fantasy and Underdog Fantasy app. Guess who won $15 on Underdog last night? Look at this guy right here. Look at this guy. That's right. McKinnon got his points. Vasilevsky made his saves. Guess who won $15? Put big 15 bucks right money, in the account. Big money. Got a little gonna, sweat on him. Take the wife great. out for a big dinner later on tonight. Oh, I'm going to go get her a hamburger. <laughs> Some Chipotle or something. Um, all right. We're going we're gonna to pause here, get to our friend Darren Doogie Wolfson for a scoop session. It is Reckless Speculation Thursday after all here on Mackie and Judd. Reckless Speculation. Reckless Speculation. Reckless right. Speculation. It is Reckless Speculation Thursday here on Mackie and Judd for all of you who celebrate. And that means we bring our friend from the 5 Eyewitness News Sports Department and the Scoop Podcast. Inside information about your favorite Minnesota sports teams, Darren Doogie Wolfson. Now, Ross Brendel put a scoop out on Twitter the other day that uh, Darren Doogie Wolfson has signed a new contract to remain with Hubbard Broadcasting. Is that correct? Sources told Ross Brendel he's the new Scoop Master. Yeah, Phil, he is spot on. Now, I've not officially put pen to paper, but yes. We have agreed in principle to a agreed. new two-year deal. Just don't they say actually sign. wanted me back. There may be some people watching and listening right now saying, "Stanley Hubbard, what are you doing? Rob Hubbard, did, did, what are you doing? Did the Hubbards make you look them in the eye before committing to such a <laughs> to such a long-term lucrative contract? Just don't say you've signed. You've agreed to terms. You got to be very careful, and nothing officially can go out. That's true. Yeah, the, yeah. Put the paper. yeah, you can't. It's the media <laughs> signing period doesn't officially start for another couple weeks, uh-uh. so you got to be careful. And I think there are that. definitely questions about whether I can pass a physical. So yes, definitely at this point, agreed in principle. This is not. Not technically official yet, but yeah, what's Ross, the bonus structure? Dude? I don't think he necessarily jumped the gun. Yeah, that's something I still need to look at. It's in my inbox, Jed. I need to look at it. So there's still some things to figure out, but Ross oh is on the right track. Right. Amazing, amazing. So, all right, let's uh, let's. T- I know you guys did a, a bunch of Timberwolves uh, stuff on the scoop session from a couple days ago. People can check that out. Mackie and Jed podcast feed, Scornorth YouTube channel. By the way, if you are watching us on the Scornorth YouTube channel, thank you for one. Uh, I think we're up over 16,000 subscribers. Please click the subscribe button and the like button to help spread the word about Reckless Speculation Thursday. But the Dallas Mavericks got the offseason party started in a big way by trading for, and it, it amounts to be a one-year flyer on Christian Wood, six foot ten big man, uh, who's uh, the last couple of years he's averaged around 18, 19 points, 10 rebounds. He can pass. He can shoot threes. He can score at the rim. A really interesting complimentary piece now to Luka Doncic. But it's a one-year flyer on Christian Wood. They didn't have to give up a whole lot. And so the off-season transactional party has officially begun. Um, I don't know. What do you think this move means for teams like the Timberwolves? You're trying not to let teams climb 
too far ahead of you. Uh, you don't want to you don't want to get passed up by teams that are that are behind you. But this was a, this was an interesting move by a team in the vicinity of where the Timberwolves were in the regular season, Dukes. Yeah. Before I get to the Wood transaction, Phil, don't forget about Jamichael Green. Because there could be a green Minnesota connection depending on what takes place with the Oklahoma City Thunder. But there was a transaction, at least agreed to in principle. Denver, Calvin Booth, my guy Calvin there in Denver now as the mm-hmm. Pobo, and Oklahoma City where Jermichael Green is now a member of, of the Thunder. But, you know, that one doesn't really move the needle. But that would be an interesting name, Jermichael Green, if he hits the market to keep an eye on with the Wolves depending on some moving parts with Tim Connolly's roster. But... Certainly Christian Wood helps Dallas. It took him a while to find his footing. He's an example of a guy that you just you don't want to give up on anyone after one or two years. For some of these guys, it takes a bit longer, especially guys that play the four or the five position. He bounced around, went to Detroit, figured things out, then signed a big deal in Houston. You noted it, Phil. He is entering the final year of his deal. Certainly signs point to Houston at pick three, Landing either, like, I don't think Jabari Smith is going to be on the board, the power forward from Auburn. Like, to me, Jabari probably goes one to Orlando, but if he doesn't go one, he'll go two. But that means Houston ends up at pick three, either with Chet Holmgren, Minneapolis native, who, by the way, begins his Orlando Magic visit today. So there's a mini scoop for you. He will be there today and tomorrow. Jabari Smith visited Orlando last week. Or Paulo Bancaro the power forward from Duke. Like if I had to bet right now, it goes Jabari Smith one to Orlando, Holmgren two to OKC, then Bancaro to Houston. Bancaro was in Houston yesterday for a workout. So like Houston is about to take Bancaro. Do they really need Christian Wood in the final year of his deal? Houston now gets a first round pick, albeit late in the first round. I feel bad for my guy, David Roddy, of Minneapolis Breck High School. He's on his way to Dallas right now for a workout tomorrow. Like, I'm sure he thought going there, yeah, maybe I have a chance to go pick 26. Well, Dallas no longer has pick 26. Then they got all these expiring contracts. Houston inevitably will buy out at least one or multiple of those contracts. So the question locally is, did the Wolves have strong interest in Christian Wood? Phil, my sense is no. Like, and I don't even know how they would have made the match work like you would have given up pick 19 and you would have had to give up Patrick Beverly. Like, would you have done Beverly plus pick 19 for Christian Wood? Mm, Me personally, I would not have. That's an interesting one. That's the equivalent though, because Houston was looking for expiring contracts. It clearly looks like they were not willing to take on any long-term money. I texted with somebody that I know at the Mavericks this person's sense this morning was there wasn't this thick market for Christian Wood. But I'm with you. Like, he produces. We don't know if he produces on a winning team. He's played on a lot of losing teams. At least when he's had a big role, he's played heavy minutes on a bunch of losing teams. But he has been productive. But my sense is there weren't a whole lot of teams chasing him with the Houston Rockets. But I really like the fit. For the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. So here, okay. Here's a question. This is getting kind of in the weeds, but I think Wolves fans are gonna are gonna like this. So next summer, 2023, a year from now, if the Timberwolves just run this whole thing back, basically, they can clear with D'Angelo Russell coming off the books, Pat Bev, Malik Beasley, 
they can clear fifty to sixty million dollars in open cap space, enough for a mat. Yeah, you know, and again, like, who are the free agents available? Can you even coax one into signing? But you could also have cap space for a trade for a player that makes a lot of money too. So it's to me, it's really appealing as Anthony Edwards goes into year four a year from now, and Carl Anthony Towns presumably starting a supermax contract. That the rest of your slate is kind of blank. Jaden McDaniel's going to get a bump at some point. So how do the Timberwolves weigh that appeal one summer from now with, hey, it'd be nice to take a jump now, but to take a jump now via trade or free agency, you might have to get players on multi-year contracts. If you trade D'Lo, do you trade D'Lo for a guy on a multi-year contract that eats into that flexibility the next summer? So I guess my question is, how do you weigh the opportunity you could have next summer with the want to get better right now? That is the fascinating question, Phil. Now, you could still trade d bring back an expiring contract. I mean, if you look at a bunch of guys on the trade market, like guys like Jeremy Grant, Miles Turner, like those are expiring contracts, right? We note that D'Angelo Russell is an expiring contract, but you could move d or somebody else for an expiring contract, still maintaining that sort of flexibility. But you are right. Like, Cat Supermax won't kick in until after that. So Cat has two years left on his deal. I think signs point to the Wolves offering the Supermax here in a few weeks. Cat signing the Supermax. But that would be the four years tacked on to his two remaining years. And you're right. Jada McDaniels is going to get paid. Anthony Edwards is going to get the max, but that won't kick until thereafter. So like your time to really do some stuff is next summer. You know, you didn't even mention, you know, Nas Reed, Jalen Noel. I mean, there's a bunch of expiring pieces. They wouldn't exercise in your scenario, the Malik Beasley team option for the 23, 24 season. So yeah, if they want with Beverly's expiring, Russell's expiring, they could run this thing back. They have their mid-level exception to play with. If they want to add size that way, or maybe they add size one week from tonight at pick 19. You could take Walker Kessler, the big man from Auburn. Like I think it's very, very likely he's going to be on the board at pick 19 if you wanted to go that route. Although, like, you look at Golden State. Now, maybe Golden State's the outlier because of Steph Curry. But, like, Golden State doesn't have a big roster, at least of the guys that play. Now, Boston, in the regular season, played big at times, especially after they brought in, you know, Daniel Tice. But... Like, they don't always play big. So, you know, we fix it on the Wolves having the smallest roster in the NBA. But, like, how much size do you really need? Like, yeah, you can well, bring it's one in. Thing if, it's one thing if you're playing small with Steph Curry, too. Though. I know. Like, that's what I mean, how I'm good, saying. How good can Anthony Edwards get is the question there. Yeah, well, yes. You know, you need Anthony Edwards to rebound like, you know, Andrew Wiggins is rebounding right now, right? You know, <laughs> but if you wanted to, to that, still yeah. play small ball... <laughs> You could go that route, right? Like, you don't need necessarily to bring in a seven-footer or certainly don't need to bring in a seven-footer at pick 19 if you wanted to bring in a free agent like Isaiah Hartenstein, you know, a guy that can play 10 to 15 minutes a night. You can find ways to to make a move like that. But that is still something, Phil, that, that I am digging on. I think there's a lot of appeal to having maximum flexibility one year from now. But yeah. you can still make moves now. You're just bringing back expiring contracts. But, like, I don't know how you would bypass that opportunity to have all that flexibility one year from now. You mentioned it. Like, you can make a trade with all that cap space. It's not about signing the biggest name free agent. Maybe you would go that route 
But like to have all that trade flexibility, like I have a hard time believing Tim Connolly is going to say, you know what, let me throw that away. So like I think there's going to be a way where he's going to maintain, if it's not max, a good amount of flexibility next summer while still looking to do something now. Like undoubtedly, Phil, they are conducting trade talks. They 100% are. Now, it's hard for me to pinpoint who has interest in D'Lo. Like I've mentioned for over a week now, Washington is a logical landing spot for a lead guard. Like I think Washington is going to do something. Maybe that's Malcolm Brogdon from Indiana. Maybe that's restricted free agent Colin Sexton from Cleveland. Maybe it's somebody else. But like I was told, Washington, as of now, just isn't interested in D'Angelo Russell. So like really, who has interest in D'Angelo Russell? Would the Wolves have to attach a sweetener to move Russell? I would not do that myself. He's an expiring contract. Why would you attach any sort of sweetener, even if it was pick 40? I'm not giving up pick 40 to move D'Lo. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, He's fine. He He was good for the first 50 games, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then he fell off the final 30-ish games. Great in the playing game against the Clippers. Horrendously bad in the playoff series against Memphis. But yeah, overall, he's fine. He's not a bad player. So like to me, I would never, this is just me talking, I would never attach any sort of sweetener to get off Delo's contract. I would not do that. I'd be surprised if Connolly did that. Connolly also seems to me like a very smart, calculated guy. It makes way more sense to spend a year observing and then like he's he knows the Wolves from his time in Denver, but he doesn't know like internally the whole thing, right? The staff makeup, things like that. With the way things run now, I would guess, Dukes, that you're exactly right. I would guess he's going to spend a year sort of observing, learning, and then make moves, especially since it sets up so well to do exactly that. So I think all signs point to the logical thing because he doesn't seem at all like an impulsive guy that he, that if there's a great deal to be had, he'll make it now, mm-hmm. but that he wouldn't mind basically just standing pat, you know, this team's not bad watching it. And then a year from now saying, I know enough now to proceed with some bigger moves. Yeah. And I want to, I want to piggyback off what you guys are both saying here and that I, I, uh, I don't think D'Lo long term. I think he's a player that can get you much like you know, Brooklyn won forty two games with him and the Wolves won forty six. I think him as a highly paid initiator and and high usage player. I think he's the guy that gets you to the to the forty to forty five forty six win range. I don't think him in that role. I don't think you're winning fifty five, and that's the next step here they have to figure out. But I'm not like to Doogie's point. I'm not just gonna. I'm not gonna attach a first round pick to get rid of an expiring contract. They did, they if, did that if, once. Well, well, they did it with. Wasn't Wiggins had multiple years left yeah, on but the contract? Yeah, they still to attach a sweetener to get rid of him. Yeah, but that's a totally different scenario because you're saying, okay, we need to get out from underneath like three years of Andrew Wiggins. Right. We we can't do this anymore. It's one year of D'Lo. You're still yep. gonna be very competitive if you just run this thing back. And there might be some moves you can make. Maybe you trade him like Doogie said. If you feel like your roster is better, you know, maybe it's a two or three way deal, and you think Miles Turner makes you better than D'Angelo Russell with Jordan McLaughlin playing more point guard minutes. Like, and I don't know if that's true, but okay. And then you get the flexibility you would have anyways next year because Miles Turner's an expiring contract. Could you hang on to D'Lo for a year, play out the last year of his contract? He's going to be motivated going into free agency. 
and maybe swap, you know, $16 million Malik Beasley for another piece of some kind. Like, there's some things you can do without blockbusters here. And I would lean toward being very careful about adding multi-year contracts that don't move the needle at the expense of next year's flexibility. So that's my two cents on it. All right. Well, on Beasley, I would keep an eye on him. Like, I brought this up with Judd on Tuesday, Phil. Like, and I get it. D'Lo is the number one guy we're talking about when it comes to Wolves trade scenarios, but Malik Beasley needs to be in the conversation as well. Like D'Lo clear cut one, but Malik Beasley clear cut two. So let's keep an eye on, on potential Malik Beasley trade scenarios. We know at the trade deadline, Boston for sure had some interest. I've heard of the Knicks having interest in the past. Tim Connolly is smart and calculated. The one thing I'm still trying to figure out is the dialogue with Chris Finch because Chris Finch has knowledge that he can pass along to Tim. And what sort of divide was created when D'Lo was benched in the playoffs? Mm-hmm. How does that dynamic play out? D'Lo is an interesting guy, Phil. This was another point I brought up on Tuesday, but you weren't part of the conversation. Like, I know somebody who's worked for the Wolves for 25 years. He's been around all the personalities. Gary Trent Sr., right? KG. Many others. I can go up and down the list. He would rank D'Angelo Russell atop all those guys. And I'll just use the word interesting. Maybe there's for, other words we could choose pain, to use. Pain, like pain in the ass factor? He's not a bad guy. Quirky? So I want to make that very clear. Not a bad guy. Quirky? Yeah, quirky would be a good word. Yeah. yeah. Quirky's a very good word. Yeah. Well, then he, of course, you know, there was the, and I don't even know how much of a report it was, but. Kevin O'Connor from the Ringer put out an updated mock draft, and in the you know at, at pick nineteen, the first sentence was something about the Timberwolves are shopping. It wasn't in detail, but he said the Timberwolves are shopping D'Angelo Russell. Now Kevin is a reporter who's very plugged in, and he does break some news. And I think it was kind of a half report, but it got out there. It made the rounds around the aggregators, and D'Lo picked up on it a few hours later and said, "Hey, world, I'm shopping or something." He did, and so then this, he deleted. This is a thing. Said tweet. It's definitely a thing. Okay. Kevin is really, really good. A friend of this show. We all mm-hmm. know Kevin, at least via Twitter DMs. And you guys have had him on at least once, if not multiple times. So you've had a face-to-face through the computer screen conversation with him. So there is a relationship there. I wonder about his choosing of the word shopping. Do I think D'Angelo Russell can be had in a trade? 100%. Do I have the sense right now that Tim Connolly is outright shopping D'Angelo Russell? I'm not quite there. And I say that because there's an Eastern Conference team, not the Washington Wizards. But you can make a case, can use a lead guard. It's not the Knicks either, by the way. Because to me, the Knicks still make the most sense for a D'Angelo Russell trade. Come on, not the Wizards. Is it a playoff team? Who is it? <laughs> yes, come on. Playoff is it a, come on. Is yes. it a playoff team? Yeah. Does that include uh, playing well, teams too, though? Dark. Just to well, make people Phil- think even more? Philadelphia? All right. So let me keep going here. All right. <laughs> this, <laughs> team, this team <laughs> Dr. J. has a high-ranking official in the front office who I'm buddies with. And this person told me two days ago... He doesn't get the sense that the Wolves are, quote, shopping D'Angelo Russell, but just reiterated what I just said, that does he think if they wanted to acquire D'Angelo Russell, they could? 100%. 
I love this. This is this inject makes, all of this. It's but I mean, that makes Reckless. perfect sense. And and I'm sure that that uh, Conley's gotten a ton of calls, right? Like, I mean, that all tracks. That all makes sense. Uh, Dukes. Well, you say a ton of calls. Like, well, who exactly calls on guys? Who's pounding down the door for D'Angelo Russell, Chad? Nobody. Nobody is pounding on the pounding door. Pounding on the door. D'Angelo. But I'm saying Nobody. there's probably a ton of dialogue going on between non-playoff team or teams that are out of the playoffs now, just in general about players in general. Well, that's what happens. I mean, I mean really, how, yeah, that's what happens that's this time of the year, one week before the draft. It's exactly. definitely happening happening at Mayo Clinic Square because they have picks 19, 40, 48, and 50. Yep. Right, so yep. Okay. when you have, have four draft picks, yes, yes, a large part of these trade talks involve at least one of those picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, I have a question real quick. So just, just for fun here. So... You brought up the name Malcolm Brogdon. I think he's a really interesting player. He, uh, he's, um, he's not. I don't think he's the shooter and scorer necessarily. That that they average around the same amount of points, but, um, but I, I I like he's a he's a bigger guard. He's he's six foot five. He's not going to raise. He's not. At some point, you need another seven footer. But I like having a guy who's big and he's probably about thirty pounds heavier than than D'Lo. Malcolm Brogdon plays on a losing team right now. He came, by the way, from the Mil- – he was developed by Milwaukee initially and then went to Indiana. And he has – let's see here. Three years left in his contract, 22 21 and $23 million. So he makes $10 million less than D'Lo makes right now. I don't know what that trade would look like if you need a third team. So we can talk about those details later. But would Malcolm Brogdon for D'Angelo Russell – independent of any other pieces being swapped, would you be a better basketball team? I would rather have Malcolm Brogdon. I do have some health concerns there. Yeah, There are some medical red flags. So Mm -hmm. I would need to trust my medical staff, that physical, that all checks out okay. But just on the surface, without a deep dive, would I rather have Brogdon or Russell? I'd rather have Brogdon. But if you're Indiana, if you're Rick Carlisle, they just gave him all that money. Now, yeah. if you're Indiana, maybe you move Brogdon because Halliburton, Tyrese Halliburton, is your new lead guard. That you're looking to move Brogdon for a forward, right? For a big, not necessarily Brogdon for another guard like D'Lo. Be a three-way trade. But I so do. Back up the- I will say, Phil, Indiana is a very, very fascinating team to watch. Like they're going to do some stuff. What happens with Brogdon? What happens with Miles Turner? I would definitely keep an eye on Indiana. So, Dukes, to back up, though, um, so it's fun to, to speculate sometimes recklessly about potential trades. But for the best thing for the Wolves, does it make the most sense probably not to make that move now to allow the, the contract to expire a year from now and then you know, to go back to what we discussed on Tuesday, have all that cap space. Cause I mean, it does seem like, like if you're strategic about this, that, that as much fun as a trade m- might be in the next uh, few weeks or months, that the reality is it might be the most responsible thing and set you up really, really well to wait until next June to make a move. Because if uh, D'Lo walks now, to your point, you're flush with cash. You are, but I think you can have the best of both worlds. I think there's at least a trade or two out there where you can still maintain maximum flexibility July 2023. 
The Western Conference isn't slowing down. So to me, the status quo doesn't necessarily work the trajectory that this team is on. Like, if they don't win at least 46 games next regular season, if they don't avoid the play-in tournament, to me, it's, you know, it's a credit to them for raising the bar, but to me, that would be a disappointing season, right? Or I guess if you're in the play-in, if you're the seven or the eight, but then you advance, then you somehow upset the one or the two seed, okay, we can have a different conversation. But, like, if you're stuck in in mediocrity, you know, for lack of a better term, but that's pretty much what you are if you're the seven or the eight seed, right? You're like... Team 15 or Team 16, you're like halfway, right? You're right in the middle of the league. Half the teams are worse than you. Half the teams are better than you. So to me, you're stuck in, in mediocrity if you're, if you're playing in the play-in tournament. But like the Lakers are going to be better, I think, next year. Maybe not, but I, I think the Lakers <laughs> will be better. New Orleans will be better. I'm almost positive of that. All right, mm-hmm. Portland, maybe not. Houston, maybe not. Oklahoma City, Maybe not. Sacramento, who the heck knows what's going on out there. But I did like the Sabonis trade for them. I think Brown's a pretty good hire for them, too, as as coach. But there's a lot of dysfunction in Sacramento. I get that. But, like, who are you jumping over? Like, how are you climbing higher than the seventh seed? We know the Clippers are not going to be in the play-in next year, right? So, like, how exactly? I'm just saying that based on Kawhi Leonard being back for a full season. And I get it. Injuries can change the dynamic. We could have a different conversation December, January, February. But as I look at it right now, like how are the Wolves jumping above the seven seed? Well, that needs to be the goal this next season. Utah and Denver are in an interesting spot. You know, I think, you know, Denver personnel wise isn't going to lose anything, but they just lost their president to basketball operations. But they get back Jamal Murray. Well, it'll be tough to jump them. Utah's the one to watch because if, if they, I don't think they're going to trade Donovan Mitchell, but if the new coach, if Donovan Mitchell remains unhappy, what could happen there? Uh, I had questions about Dallas, but they might have just answered them by the trade they made for Christian Wood. And then maybe you're, I guess you're hoping that Chris Paul being 37 years old and a DeAndre Ayton trade makes the Suns worse, but are they going to be, you know, they won 64 games. So even if they drop 10 games, they're a 55 win team. They are now. What happens with DeAndre Ayton? He wants max money. Doesn't seem like Phoenix wants to pay him max money. But even if you move Ayton, I would think they're getting back ready now talent. That they're not taking back, you know, draft picks, whatever it might be. Like, I would think they're trying to bring back pieces to help now when you're paying, as you mentioned, Chris Paul, all that money at 37 years old. Utah is interesting. You know, I'm rooting for my guy, Sean Sweeney, St. Paul native, to get that job. He interviewed... For that head coaching job last week, they've interviewed about 10 people. So he's a long shot, but I'd like to see them hire the Dallas Mavericks assistant, Sean Sweeney. But yeah, Utah could be interesting, but it's really, really hard. Like Dallas got better too when they brought in Dinwiddie after they moved Porzingis. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think Jalen Brunson's re-signing with them, that he's not going to join his dad with the the Knicks, even though his dad is now an assistant coach once again for Tom Thibodeau. But that Jalen Brunson is going to re-sign in Dallas. If they bring back Jalen Brunson and with Dinwiddie and now with Wood, like Dallas is going to be better than the Wolves. The you know, West like I feel ridiculous. pretty good about that. So it's just the a teams hard. that are Dukes, the teams that are so the, let's put the Clippers. The Clippers were a game of two games above five hundred, but from the Clippers all the way down, so the eight seed all the way down to the fifteen seed. So the teams that either didn't make the playoffs or are or, or were in the play in. Like you said, Clippers are getting Kawhi back. 
Pelicans just traded for C.J. McCollum, you know, halfway through last season, and they get Zion Williamson back. The Spurs are feisty and are the Spurs and always find a way to to claw their way to competitive games. The Lakers aren't just going to sit around with, you know, LeBron James getting another year older. Portland has Damian Lillard and room to make moves. So it, the the Wolves are in a good position, but the West is absurd outside of like three teams at the bottom. Agree. Yeah, I mean, outside of Houston, OKC, and at some point, because I like Jalen Green, I like Bancaro, like Houston may make a jump. Not necessarily next season, but pretty darn soon. Heck, same for OKC at some point with all those assets they've they've accumulated. Like at some point, OKC is going to make some sort of jump up. I'm not convinced Portland is doing anything anytime soon. Like to me, the next move is actually trading Damian Lillard. But it gets yeah, to that point. He hasn't too, asked man. for a trade yet, but that it eventually gets to that point where he says, get me out. But yeah. The West is as deep as ever. You know, we've been talking about this for two years now, but now like this third year of this conversation, like the West isn't slowing down. It's only getting better and deeper. So if you're the Wolves, status quo just doesn't work. It really doesn't. They need to add toughness. They need to add some rebounding help. You know, so like moves need to be made. Like merely re-signing Torian Prince for the mid-level isn't enough. Then bringing somebody in at pick 19. Let's say they end up with EJ Liddell at pick 19, or Tari Eason at pick 19. If those are your big moves this summer, re-signing Prince, drafting Liddell or Eason at pick 19, it's not enough, Phil. It's just not. Like, to me, you know, best case, they're back in the play-in at at seed seven. Dukes, where is Trevor, or I'm sorry, is is Kirilov, and how long... Do the Twins have to sit on this guy at AAA, just absolutely destroying pitching before he gets called up at some point? The numbers are just absurd, right? A 400 batting average since he was sent down, 10 home runs. Like, he's so good. You know, he'll be in the lineup again. It's a day game today. Josh Winder on the mound for the Saints today, so he's close to rejoining the Twins. Kyle Garlick in the Saints lineup today on a rehab assignment, so he's relatively close to rejoining the Twins. So there are roster moves that need to be made with those guys. But clearly, it has to happen soon. I will tell you, I went back and forth with his dad. You know, clearly his dad is biased, but you know, his dad's wondering, okay, you know, and, and you know, the family's really religious. Dad's not going to say anything too crazy. Uh, sure. But, you know, there are questions there, right? Like, what more does my son need to do to rejoin the, the Major League organization? Plus, I'll add... Miguel Sano. So I have a Miguel Sano update. We did not do a pre-show meeting, so let me just give you the Miguel Sano update. So that's another roster move that we think needs to be made at some point. Let me read for you verbatim. Some is this a press release? In, or are you getting no, this from a no. press release, or are you doing reporting here? This What's is actual the... reporting, yeah. This is not okay. me regurgitating a press release like some people do. Uh, scoop segment, damn it. Hi, Darren. I was with Sano today. This was yesterday. He looks great. Running, fielding ground balls. Hitting on the field. So Miguel Sano is getting close to heading out on a rehab assignment. So that's another roster move at some point the next couple weeks that seemingly needs to be made. Love it. Love it. All right. Empty the bag here. What other other scoops are you sitting on on this reckless speculation Thursday? It's all about the NBA draft, right, Phil? I mean, one week from tonight, Kendall Brown, Cottage Grove native, in with the Cleveland Cavaliers today, in with the Charlotte Hornets tomorrow. I mentioned Roddy in with Dallas 
tomorrow. He was in with the Wolves yesterday. The Wolves have another group workout today. I'll have the full list later, but Max Christie, Michigan State, is one of the players in today. Jake Lauravia. Jake Lauravia, Wake Forest, climbing up draft boards. He's another player in today, as is Marcus Weathers of SMU. So presumably they have six guys in today. Normally these group workouts are six players. Those are three of the six. In with the Timberwolves today, Kennedy Chandler, a good point guard from Tennessee, in with the Timberwolves on Saturday. There he is, Darren Doogie Wolfson, inside information about your favorite Minnesota sports teams here on Reckless Speculation Thursday. Great stuff, Dukes. All right, boys. Appreciate the flexibility. Thank you. I apologize for being high maintenance. That's a little bit tough. Watching the neighbor's dog. I forgot. Had to bring the dog back to her house for the day because Scooby, our dog, and the neighbor's dog can't hang in our house without some adult supervision because it would get ugly. Tell Tell them not to be cheap. Tell yeah. those people to get their own dog place, take the dog <laughs> there, get that dog out of my house. Not all people not all people have the lavish lifestyles of Darren Doogie Wolfson and Judd Zolgad here. Okay. So oh yeah, that lavish lifestyle had said neighbor <laughs> watching our dog last weekend. We were up in Wake Park oh, for, that, okay. for the Droogie baseball tournament. So it was only it was only right that we returned the favor. Right. But I forgot, so I had to bring I had to bring this beautiful golden retriever. She's a sweetheart. I had to bring her back home. I was playing with her for a little bit, lost track of time, had to bring the younger one to camp. So thank you for the flexibility. All right, Dukes. We'll see you next week. Darren Doogie Wilson from Five Eyewitness News. Um, A shout out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. Been around for over 100 years, helping businesses maximize their success. And you can find a full list of industries Federated protects at their website, federatedinsurance.com. And they're all about... The four cornerstones of equity, integrity, teamwork, and respect. These four cornerstones create the foundation that supports all interactions and decision-making through Federated. All right, that's a wrap on Reckless Speculation Thursday. NBA offseason is... That was a lot. That was good. The finals aren't even over yet, and we've already got blockbuster trades. Mm -hmm. We got... I think the league year officially opens up on July 1st, and so... That's when the fireworks are set to begin. I'm telling you, it, in this league, that, in my opinion, best time of year. It's so much fun. Oh, it's so much fun. It's nuts on speculation. Yep. So, all right, uh, that is a wrap for us here on this Reckless Speculation Thursday. Action Movie Rewind tomorrow. And a um, little feedback Friday. So get your comments, questions, concerns, critiques into the Score North app. Where we're also doing the Purple Daily Getaway to Miami all month long, too. If you want to win a trip week six to go down to Miami to see Minnesota, Miami, okay. we got the tickets for you. We got the flight. We got the, the travel, everything. You bring your own white linen pants, bring your own Don Johnson V-neck and sunglasses. And uh, all you have to do is open the Score North app, register, and enter to win through listener rewards. And we'll draw a winner at the end of the month. Mackie and Judd.